Hey folks, this is Mr. Bill from Classic Christian Rock Radio, and you're listening to The Wild Man and Steve. You are about to listen to the intersection of faith, talk, and music. The Wild Man and Steve Show starts right now. Steve, so opening the show tonight, um, you can't read all of my shirt, but could you possibly make out all of it if you were to guess the rest of what it says? It says, hey, sorry I'm late, I didn't, and then I can't see the rest. I'm guessing it says, hey, sorry I'm late, I didn't make bail. Okay, not not a bad guess. It's actually, sorry I'm late, I didn't want to come. <laughs> Ouch! That 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 hurts, man. That really hurts. So, I, I I wear this when I invite people over. You know, when they come over, I'm like, you know, so and that's so, funny. But that that brings up a topic I wanted us to talk about here in the opener. So, be honest, Steve. Have you ever been at at a gathering where that you didn't want to be? Have I ever been at a gathering where I didn't want to be? Yes, yes, I have. Has it happened often? It, it it does happen often, as a matter of fact. Okay. And what is your best exit strategy that you found that works? Uh, my best exit strategy is to... Um, very often I find myself in a Zoom situation that I don't want to be in. Uh, and so what I will do is I'll, I'll pretend like there's something wrong technically, you know. So I'll, you know, make... <laughs> You know, kind of sounds, and it seems like something's wrong. See what you did there? I see what you did there. You just turned off your camera. You, sir, are a silly man. I know what you're doing. What? I'm sorry. I was having an issue. That was a technical <laughs> issue, just like you, what you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, folks, uh, rate that opening, um, hashtag Wildman and Steve, at Wildman and Steve. And folks, you can't see him, but right now Steve's giving me a look that was, uh, that's just like, why do you even do this to me? <laughs> but hey, he's been doing it now for three years, over what are we up to now, 140 episodes? Something uh, like that, yeah. So yeah, I think, we're, I think we're sold on this. So anyway, now's the time where I turn the show over to Mr. Segway. Steve Perkins, rock and metal enthusiast, who always gives us a great segue for our great guests. And we have an amazing guest tonight, folks. You want to listen to this. So, Mr. Segway, take it away. You know, it's interesting you were talking about technical issues there, uh, Wild Man. And some of our fans may not realize this, but um, uh, I actually don't use any uh, built-in uh, recording device on my computer uh, even though you're in another state, I'm in a separate state. 
Uh, basically, I just opened my window and I yell real loud, and that's how this gets recorded. And, and I was talking to a, a professional podcaster the other day as this good old boy, and I said, uh, you know, is there anything I could do to improve the sound quality rather than yelling out the window? And his good old boy, he says, well, he says, Steve, is what you got to do. He says, you know, you got your computer there, right there. And I said, uh, yeah, I got my computer. He says, he said, what you need to do? He says, you need to mic her. So you need, you need to mic her, you know? And I, I said, what, what do you mean? Like, like plug a mic into the computer? He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to mic her. And so I, I, I figure, I guess what I need to do is I, I, I got a mic her is, is what I got to do to make this a little bit better. Wow, man. Mic her. Miker, yeah, Mike, Miker, yeah, Miker, as in, like, I don't know if that would be a name of somebody, like a guitarist, you would be saying Mike Kerr. Is that is that what you're? Yeah, saying? yeah. If you split it up, it would be a name like I don't yeah. know, Mike Kerr. If you know anybody, name okay. that. Well, would you believe, Steve, that tonight you struck it again because we do have Mike Kerr with us, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, welcome to the program. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Oh, hey, we are too. So before we go any further, ladies and gentlemen, this is all audio. You can't see what's going on. But Mike is sitting <clears> here <throat> with his axe, right, ready to go. So, Mike, go ahead and give us a little something as we start here today. We welcome you to the program and um, tell us about your history of music specifically why did you start with the guitar so I, I always was drawn to the sound of, of a guitar when I was a little kid I um, I think the first first time I heard a guitar solo was the band Europe and I think it was a song the final Calton and uh, my dad lived in, in the US for, for some time I'm originally from Brazil so he brought all this MTV tapes, and uh, it has it had all the 80s bands. So I, I got a chance to listen to Hotel California, and that was one of his favorite solos. But my family was a very strict Christian family, so they didn't want me to listen to to those bands. At the time, my dad was uh, he was in and out of the, the church, uh, so he brought me all these cool videos with all these guitar solos, but... At some point, they became, uh, my mom was always strict. My dad became very strict as well. They didn't want me to listen to music uh, unless it was uh, Christian music. So that's where I was like, well, I got to find bands that have great guitar playing because I really love the sound. They're Christian. So that's that's how I found out back then about Striper, White Cross, uh, Petra, and, and all those bands. And I fell in love with Striper immediately. In fact, I, I used to have it. Uh, to Hell with the Devil was, uh, I'm a butcher, so I used to go butcher the pig when I was nine years old with my dad, and I had a, a disc man or a walk man playing the the album To Hell with the Devil. Like, I had that on repeat every day. Mm, wow. So wow. Uh, it started there, and, and then I, I just, I uh, the funny thing is this, my dad is a guitar player, and uh, he taught all his, like, I think all his brothers play guitar, and he has a huge family. I think they're like, 13 kids so I asked my dad to teach me how to play the guitar back then and after the couple attempts he was like all right son we got to find something that is easier for you I, I don't know if, if you have a talent for this like 
uh, it seems very difficult. So maybe you want to try something else. Uh, and my mom is like, oh, no, I'll get, I'll get like, this lady from the church to teach you how to play the, the gospel songs. And that, that's where I started. My dad was telling me to find something else because I didn't have much talent for it. Uh, and my mom was like, no, you know, he loves guitar. You'll get it. And she found someone to teach me uh, at the time. And I just started taking guitar lessons from everyone that played the guitar. Everywhere I went, I, I would take lessons from whoever was that church uh, guitar guy. I would go and, and take lessons from him. Or I, I would just like, in any way and anywhere I could, I, I started taking lessons. Uh, there weren't many people that play guitar like electric lead guitar the way I want to hear back then around. I'm from like a little village in Brazil. So uh, the best I could do was get acoustic guitar lessons. So I didn't start playing electric guitar until I was 17 when I came to America. I got my guitar and that, that's where I really started. But I started at nine playing at church and gospel songs and things like that. about that acoustic guitar that you were talking about you know i've heard artists say that I, i'm talking about guys who play electric guitar who will say though that a lot of times they will do their writing on an acoustic guitar or they will also say that the song really needs to be able if, if it can be played on the acoustic then it, it's a good song so they don't want to just have to rely on the effects or things of an electric so do you find, did that, did that help you to start off with the acoustic? Um, and does the acoustic still play a role in what you do, even though you're mostly electric now? It, it, it certainly does, and that certainly makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, to me, the best part of learning how to play guitar the way that I did, I, I, I can't read music, and I never went to a school of music. I'm self I'm not self-taught because I took lessons from a lot of players. I will. I have my producer, who is like my my guitar guy, always checking on me to this day. So, and I always love to hear his feedbacks. But I took lessons from uh, Joe Stump from from Berkeley. Outside of Berkeley, I took lessons from him. I took lessons from Arlen Roth, the blues guitar player. And and coming back to the acoustic thing that you're asking, to me, the the best part of learning guitar, the way that I learned. Uh, was to follow people singing at church because to me that was the like I very early like I knew if I was playing a wrong note so I, I didn't know how to explain that that was a why that was a wrong note but you know you get used to following people singing and they start on all kinds of keys and they switch keys on you and they're out of tune at times and you have to somehow manage to if you're accompanying them you, you got to manage to play the song right in front of the whole church 
So I think it was your training. The, that was my, the greatest benefit of learning to play guitar the way that I did on the acoustic guitar, following people singing. Or, and I used to sing country Christian songs with my dad. So my dad used to play the acoustic, and I, I was singing the, the lead vocals back then as a kid. And uh, once my voice changed, we stopped singing together. But I had a high voice back then, and he used to do harmony. So that, that was very cool growing up. Doing, I sang with my sister, Joyce, as well, growing up. Um, but yeah, I, I, the acoustic thing, though, I think it makes sense. You know, if you can sound good on your acoustic guitar, it's a good song. like uh, the firstborn band when when did that come into the picture uh, were you were you in bands before you came up with the firstborn or how did that all uh, happen I was in a lot of bands before like I started playing on cover bands there was a point where I was in like five or six different bands and I was playing uh, 200 shows a year and talking just cover shows so I wouldn't be home very much um, but Firstborn started because I had an instrumental. I still have an instrumental band. We don't play very often, but I'm, I'm recording and releasing stuff. Uh, we used to play very often, maybe eight years ago. And I wrote a song in conjunction with the producer at the time and Adrian Cowan. That's called The Truth of the Lion. That's a Christian song. And uh, this yes. song won it won award as the best rock performance of the year by the IPMA Music Awards, which is uh, the, the Portuguese Music Awards. And that was such a cool thing that inspired us at the time. Me, the bass player, Vantan Garage, and Adrian Cowan, we decided we wanted to put a band together. And we're looking for names. We're all firstborn children. That's how, how we got the name. Yeah. So now you, you're working, as I understand it, you're working on your next album now. It's been a few years, but you're working on another album right now? We are actually, with, we're done recording. It's been mixed and mastered, and it's with a different singer. I see that you have a, a picture with Firstborn with uh, Ian Raposa. He, he actually sang on a Michael Sweet song uh, with you to the end that I play guitar. Oh, and yeah. um, and he also played in a Michael Sweet band, play bass on a Christmas show. He couldn't do it this year because he had other things going on, but hopefully uh, maybe he'll do the next one. But anyways, now we have a new singer that is the drummer of the Michael Sweet band, Keith Pittman. Like uh-huh. the Michael Sweet band is like all firstborn dudes with Michael Sweet kind of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool. We, we love each other. Like I, we don't work with Adrienne Cowan anymore because she's she got busy with her original project. Uh, but we're all friends, you know. We're in connections, and uh, yeah, it's not like I don't think I ever left in, in bad blood or or like. There's never like a, a weird scenario where it had to break up the band because of a fight or anything like that. Like uh, we're, 
we're just expanding the, the family, so to speak, in terms of making friends out there. You know? sound should we see with this new album would you say is it in comparison to your previous albums what different sound does this new singer bring so this new singer sounds a lot like a young michael and uh and he sounds like people t tell him that he sounds like like uh red delt from the band boston even like singing in a band with michael like you know he hears people come in and tell him that uh we heard that he sounds like uh, Don Henley from uh, the Eagles. He's got really a lot of range. So I think Michael actually have him singing a lot of uh, high harmonies on his Striper albums. Now he's doing a lot of, for the last couple albums, been recording harmonies for Striper. He's a great singer. The new album is, if I had to compare with uh, Pick Up the Torch, the last one, I think is a little lighter. Um, I think it's a little more pop pop rock or pop metal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's very catchy. I think there's a song that Michael's going to sing that's called Sacrifice. It's my finest guitar work, so I'm very proud of the guitars, you know, and uh, make sure that they're nice and loud. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's going to be a good album. It's really good music. I think Keith, every time you work with with someone new, they bring new ideas. And and I like un, un, it's unfortunate, it's fortunate at the same time that Firstborn, three albums and three different singers. But, you know, like I said, we're all friends and they all brought a, a little, Adrian was kind of very dark and evil at times, which sounds nice and all of that, but I prefer happy and positive. So Ian is like, kind of like that. And so is Heath. So, uh, you know, I, I'm either like writing Christian songs or positive messages, but I can't do this like negative or evil and, and all of that. I can't, understand it and I, I like a lot of bands that sing about that but i don't want to work my music like that myself if yeah. i can avoid it no. right right so i i want to go back again to something you were saying earlier about um that you you say you do not read music is that correct i don't yeah, yeah that's cool. so, it's so interesting as we've talked with um a guitarist instrumentalist uh on the show <clears throat> We've got we've had some that were very classically trained. They read music, that sort of thing. Then you've got the guys who picked it up by really by feel and by ear uh, and so yeah. forth. And I'm just curious, as you have worked with other guitarists, um, be it lead guitar, bass guitar, whatever, 
kind of where is that in in the field today? Do you think most people are guys who have just picked it up and really do not read music? Do you think more guys are able to? Or is it just kind of split? And and what if any difference does that make for you? Sure. So I personally, my favorite players, I don't know how much uh, of like. Um, how much of music education they have because uh, I I think my favorite players don't have much music education. It kind of went on a down and dirty road and, and learning by ear and um, and making a lot of mistakes and kind of develop their style around there. They sound a little more raw, a little center, sound a little more aggressive. Um, I still know like my scales is not a lot of like I um, you know I know I know my theory, my scales and, and stuff like that, my chords. But I I just never went to school. And I, I never, for, for lead guitar especially, I don't even know like how much one would benefit from uh, from being able to read everything they play. You know, I, I was someone that I I always didn't, I didn't have much time or so I had to split my time, you know, between work and between practicing and and on my first years in America, I used to practice 10 hours a day. So that would mean like almost every day I would practice eight, 10 hours for like uh, for maybe like four or five years. I did that. And, and that would mean like two hours of sleep, one hour of sleep, three hours of sleep because I had a day job and I would get home and just, you know, work on my chops and, and keep working at it. And, and I would split on very organized practice routines and things like that. So that's one thing that I was like, ah, I, I feel like I, I don't want to, you know, spend time. Learn. I, I didn't see like the benefit to me and especially being inspired by guys that didn't know how to read music. And that, that just made it OK for me not to do that, I, I guess. And I, I, yeah, a lot of the guys that I like, they don't know how to read music. They know they're, they're how to play. And they're like, I, I don't think George Lynch can, can read music either Yeah. Mm. and write music. Um I don't think Doug Aldridge can, but maybe I'm wrong. But I love him, and he's very raw. Uh, guys like John Sykes, I would be willing to bet that I don't think he reads and write music. Uh, he writes music, he reads music. Um, but guys like that, you know what I mean? Like I think Gary Moore might have learned it later on, but the early raw Gary Moore, I don't think he he did. You know, he had a lot a lot more time at, after he became successful when he got into jazz. So maybe. Maybe he got to it later on. Still a phenomenal player all the way around. God, God bless him. He changed the music scene. Uh, yeah, I, I think Rex can read music. Rex Garrow. Yes. And uh, and he's a good friend of mine. And he's incredible. And he's still an aggressive player. So I don't think there's a, a rule to that. But I don't know if I know any guitar player that is like one of my heroes that uh, it's a guy who went to school and everything. Uh, even though I really appreciate that. I wish I, I would have done it. But... Uh, it would have to be in a different life scenario than, than the one that I'm in, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the, one of the yeah. jokes about wrong guitarists all the time is about if you force a guitarist to read music, you know, that's the end of the, end of, end of the discussion. Because, um, you know, you're right in what you're saying, especially the style, <laughs> the style that you play. Most rock and metal guys, um, it's not an issue of, of uh, reading or writing music like um, Eddie Van Halen talks mm -hmm. about. He didn't, he didn't. Uh, read music either 
So, but there are right. like Rex Carroll was classically trained, so he did because he grew up with it. Um, yeah. so there, there are those that do. So we have it on both sides. So. you say as far as if you were teaching like let's just say if this was like a video lesson um and somebody came a, a, a beginner guitarist came to you and said you know what i really want to shred how would you start him? i would i would recommend it so i took lessons from a guy who's all all about shred joe stump so i i asked him the same thing right i would probably give the same answer i would say try to uh listen to a uh, guy's that have good phrasing, you know what I mean? And uh, and if, if they want to shred, I would try to I would try to get them to to learn uh, to learn from bluesy shredders because they would get some something else other than just a you know other than than that because a lot of kids nowadays sound very mechanical I think because they have this crazy ability and but there's a little loss in the heart department so I, I would I would try to steer them towards uh, listening to someone that like Gary, that can shred, but, you know, hit you right in the heart every time. Or Stevie Ray is like a blues shredder. You know, yeah, I would sure. try to turn him into something like that. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, and I, I can mostly see what you're holding there, but are, are you holding a Les Paul? That's a Les Paul. That's one of my favorites. It's just a classic Les Paul. It, it I, It's unfortunate. Uh, of all the guitars, Wild Man absolutely hates Les Pauls. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Doesn't yeah, like he, the tone. Yeah. Uh, doesn't, uh, no, no. They're terrible. They sound. They, they sound really bad. No, what Wild Man is crazy, <laughs> crazy for Les Pauls. And uh, so, tell us a little bit about that particular uh, guitar that you're holding there. What what's what do you yeah, got? Absolutely. There? I I love this guitar, and and I have. Uh, I have other Les Pauls. I love Les Pauls. I love, I love guitars in general. But I'm really like my wife gave me a 1981 Explorer, and I love that guitar. I keep that guitar in a room to practice at night and stuff like that. But this particular guitar here, it's a Les Paul, and the only thing that that I changed was the um, the bridge is is made by Tone Pros, and is a company that uh, they make awesome bridges, and I changed uh, the pickups for bare knuckles and I have the bare knuckles that they're called cold sweat. I, I love the, the way they sound. So, and I play this guitar probably more than any other guitar. Like there's something about this guitar, man. It, it's a, it's a great sounding guitar and easy to play as well. Uh, it has a small neck for a Les Paul. 
you know, it's not a very chunky neck at all. Mm -hmm. And another yeah. thing that I, I did to this guitar and I do to all guitars is change the frets. I usually put Dunlop 6105s. They're kind of flat frets and they're not the big jumbo, but they'll, and I love those, those frets for bending. It, it makes it easier, I think. Technical questions. I, I want to ask one that's, that's not as technical about the music, and then I'm sure you're going to have some very specific um, technical instrumental questions to ask. But and this is one of the times when I really wish that we actually did put out the video from these interviews. Um, I wish the fans listening to this could actually see this guitar. Uh, my son is into industrial design. That's what he's studying at college. And a lot of times we'll just talk about the shape of things and the lines. Uh, uh -huh. Just a gorgeous looking instrument. I mean, it is just gorgeous. It's black. It's got the gold trim, but just the the lines and the curves of a Les Paul, I find absolutely just gorgeous to look at. Um, I'm just curious. For a guitarist, obviously the sound. Okay, okay. He just he just busted out a striper guitar. We're going to talk about that in just a minute too. Um, but in terms of obviously, you guys care about the sound. Tune in next week to find out if Steve ever finally gets around to asking his question. Next week, the dynamic duo returns. Same Wild Man and Steve time, same Wild Man and Steve channel. The Wild Man and Steve show is now partnering with New Release Today. Find out more about them at newreleasetoday.com. And don't forget to check out our website where you can also leave us a review at wildmanandsteve.com. Sounds like rock and roll to me.